Hi, and uh, welcome to Two or Three Get Gathered. Uh, my name is Caleb, uh, and I am joined today with my uh, co-host, uh, Jared Grant. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, today we will be discussing uh, the upcoming New Zealand uh, referendum on cannabis and end-of-life choice. Mm. Uh, now, just as a bit of a backstory for our podcast, Two or Three Gathered. Uh, it is a series of conversations with brothers and sisters, considering their efforts and contributions to the kingdom vocationally, their stories and their testimonies of God's sovereignty and grace, and an opportunity to tackle the relevant issues that the church faces in the 21st century. In this, we seek to equip the saints by networking within the body, starting the conversation around often taboo subjects, and seeking to develop unity across Christian denominations and traditions by starting the conversation on worthy topics. We want to educate the wider body of Christ by asking these experts and people of wisdom across multiple fields in the hot button questions and sophisticated questions that we believe there are answers for in Christ church, but that there is not necessarily much access to. It is our heart that Christ himself would be in our midst as we converse about these things. We believe he himself is very interested in. Cool. So uh, today we will be, as I said, discussing uh, the upcoming um, ever divisive, ever daunting uh, cannabis uh, mm. regulation bill and uh, mm. end of life choice bill. Um, today, Jared, uh, will be discussing, uh, as our, uh, quote unquote expert, um, and, uh, on the end of life bill. And I will be our, um, resident, uh, resident scholar, um, on cannabis. Um, I have some lined up and, uh, ready to get going. So, um see some fumes uh i'm just uh practicing what i preach no i can <laughs> um that's why you seem yeah. so enlightened right like so you know like you can see truths we don't yeah definitely it, uh, it opens <laughs> up your mind to a, a whole new world yeah definitely um well can i can i can i speak to that man like um yes yes sure sure yeah, like um, both Caleb and I thought like we wanted to tackle this for you, the audience, your, uh, we wanted to tackle this for you, the audience, from your perspective, um, because we imagine that most people are, you know, they're coming into, they're looking up sources and material around this topic. And so they're looking for, you know, someone who is a relative or relevant expert in the field. But then most of us are also coming as kind of like the uneducated, um, but, you know, intelligent uh, novices, you know, having our own opinions, having our own experiences around the subject. And we're, we're bringing that into our viewing of that material. So we wanted to, I think Caleb and I play on that a little bit to actually say, you know, we both have researched these, both of these bills and the conversations and the uh, topics around these bills so that we're both kind of coming in with both uh, inexperience, but also uh, 
some wisdom, hopefully, some wisdom to offer. Because, uh, yeah, like by no means I, I would say that our efforts have been exhaustive, right? But I, I, we're hoping that we can do a good enough job to actually present on these topics. Uh, would that be fair to say, man? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I, you know, jokingly call myself a resident scholar. I, it's definitely all in jest. <laughs> um, but, you know, I do feel I have discussed this plenty with other people mm. leading up to this and uh, also done a fair amount of research on mm. what is easily accessible. Mm. And um, obviously we'll be linking all uh, relevant articles, videos, so yes. on and so forth. Yes. Below. Um, and that's something that we will be uh, providing for you, the audience. Yeah, because um, I think I can speak for Caleb here. Like, tell me if I'm wrong, you know, I'm speaking for you. Like, <laughs> um, I'm, I can speak for Caleb here and saying, like, we want to touch on, I guess, kind of like broad open strokes about, like, oh, this and we saw this and we saw that. But we also want to provide those links and materials so, like, you can go on this can be like a leapfrog a starting point for you to research yourselves and actually come away with your own educated opinion and your own decision about how you will vote come voting day um so yeah like by no means is this exhaustive but we hope it can be like the start of that process for you if you're not already in that process of actually deciding how you will vote on the day yeah hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, oh, man, I'm a little bit nervous. You, you feel the same? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I definitely uh, do mm. feel that way. But uh, mm. as we've been getting more into it, I feel a little eased. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I would say, like, I'm not nervous about the subject itself and about talking about it. I, I've been thinking about this coming up to this. I feel nervous because I want to do a good job on it you know i want to actually make sure that what's said i don't know about you but that's uh, that's certainly my feeling around it not nervous about the subject more nervous about how it comes across mm. yeah i want it to be terrible <laughs> <laughs> so what are you nervous about then <laughs> my, 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 my goal is to come mm. across to someone who isn't uh for what i want mm make people hate that so then they'll vote in my uh favor <laughs> that's compelling that's it's uh, it's, it's, it's sophistry 101 man have you considered politics like <laughs> um or advisory roles yes yeah yeah um yeah. so to start off with man like we thought we'd actually look at your um side of the 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 bill as it were first we'd actually look at your topic first um why don't you just kind of give us a bit of like a a summary as it as to what's being entailed by this piece of legislation around cannabis yeah so um this bill is a i guess a um an addition or an, an amendment rather to the misuse of drugs act uh of i think it's 1976 um, I may be wrong there, but mm. we will have that corrected in the uh, comments or in the uh, bio, sorry. <laughs> um, we like to engage with our audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, leave a comment on what you think. Uh, <laughs> but please do. Um, so this, uh, this bill, uh, according to uh, 
the New Zealand government is about restricting access to cannabis. It is about opening access to cannabis as well. Mm. Uh, it is about reducing harm from cannabis. Mm. Uh, it is about monitoring and uh, uh, for lack of a more political word, um, controlling the production and supply. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way necessarily. Mm. Um, and it's about trying to educate the public on the harms of cannabis and the false uh, information that may be out there about harms as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, so um, that, that's the basic summation of what this uh, bill appears to be about. Um, some basic, I guess, uh, things that you can just find just with a quick Google about it is um, Typically, it's uh, that people 20 and up will be mm. able to buy certain amounts of cannabis. Uh, they will be able to grow a certain amount within their home mm. um, and share it amongst friends, smoke it on private property and possibly in license, licensed premises, mm. uh, but not in public. Um, one other uh, big thing that uh, I will be touching on briefly is that it uh, is aimed to reduce uh, criminal profitability from uh, the cannabis market or the cannabis black market. Mm. Uh, and also it, the government aims to restrict access from uh, for youth to cannabis. Hmm. Okay, and so there's a couple of interesting points, like I guess I'm interested in as your, your relative layman <laughs> at the, yeah. as this perspective. I mean, did you want to say more there? No, no, that's, that's fine. Um, perhaps it's worth actually talking about uh, perhaps something of a Christian perspective, acknowledging that there are, I guess, a number of perspectives on this. Like uh, it's not just one particular view, but um. Yeah, what, what would you say to that, man? Yeah, so um, in regards to a Christian perspective, I at first wanted to go out and look in, in terms of who's supporting it, who's not, but rather I figured I'd just go right to the Bible itself. Um, I, I have seen some people uh, point towards uh, things like Genesis one twenty nine, and God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit uh, in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Um, you know, some, some people using that, I've come across some conspiracy theories here and there about mm. um, cannabis being used to be burned in the temple. Uh, mm. Jewish temples mm. uh, and that Jesus would have uh, smoked the reefer himself. Um, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be much uh, much uh, evidence behind that, um, mm. but it's worth mentioning for anyone who may be interested in looking that up. Um, mm. I've even heard some people posit that um, the burning bush that Moses would have saw would have actually been um, some hallucinogenic experience. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, that, that, that's one that I came across in that whole thing as well. That had even less, um, less uh, I guess, force or mm. uh, strength behind the argument. Mm. Um, 
but one thing that I just kept on coming up with was uh, sobriety. Hmm. Uh, that was a big thing when talking to Christians or just looking this up myself. Um, and looking in, in just the New Testament alone, uh, we see Acts 26, um, 24 to 25 says, As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent, excellent Festus, but speaking true and rational words. Mm. Uh, so there's an encouragement of being in control of your thought process. Mm. Uh, Paul, who, that, who was saying that, later goes on to say in Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each mm. according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Mm. And we have more things in this uh, for for anyone interested in looking up more about more verses about uh, encouraging sobriety. We've got First Thessalonians five six to eight. We've got First Timothy two verse nine. First Timothy, three verse two to three. Uh, First Timothy, th uh, chapter three, verse eleven. Second uh, Timothy four five. Mm. Uh, the list goes on. There are several others, uh, especially uh, within First Peter, and those are one of the most, um, I guess, one of the most commonly quoted in regards to sobriety. Be mm. sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and that's first mm. peter 5 8 um and that this is a something i was coming across over and over and uh how would i relate this to this bill um honestly i found not a huge amount of biblical passages that talk about legalization of things like this or restriction mm. because mm. that was just something that was completely unheard of in the mm. time uh, mm. restricting certain substances uh, on the government end um, but in regards to a Christian standpoint of recreational use uh, it appears that there's not much in the way, to, way of hefty arguments to support the recreational use as a Christian mm. Yeah, if I if I may, like, I, I wonder, there's a conversation that perhaps needs to be had about like at the, from a Christian's perspective, and we don't have the, we don't have the time to actually do, do it at length here, but actually the theological uh, place of law and actually what law does and actually regulating society. And so then there's that, ex, there's the extended conversation of actually what, uh, instances we regulate for and we regulate against um you know the, uh, I, I i i think something that comes to mind for me is actually would not a stewardship uh mentality apply here you know i'm trying to think devil's advocate here or you know angel's advocate depending on which one you want to look at it <laughs> like uh from a stewardship angle we could look at this like well, like you mentioned in Genesis 129, uh, 
we have this in the creation, we can actually make good use of it. Um, I imagine a lot of the people who are actually would argue against recreational use of cannabis wouldn't necessarily be against medicinal use of cannabis. Yeah. And I know this is just the drug we talk about, this particular drug, because it's the topical one at the moment. But I do wonder if, I don't know, like there's a verse I'm keeping in the back of my head also kind of coming from your side that you're presenting. But I also am conscious, you know, is there a space and a place, you know, where actually this could be used and for the right reasons? Um, yeah. I can't think of historical examples, but surely there might be examples where something uh, was bad, but then the stigma around it, the culture around it changed and actually what was once viewed as bad wasn't necessarily as bad once upon a time. I mean, alcohol once upon a time of much weaker uh, potency uh, was viewed as, as uh, culturally and even religiously as a, uh, you know, uh, associated with all kinds of negative connotations, but you wouldn't see that same kind of uh, caricatures anymore. I just wonder what are your thoughts around like a similar line of thinking or a similar line of reasoning? That's a, that's a very good question in regards to um, stewardship, especially uh, one thing, that uh, a lot of the arguments uh, posit is that this can lead towards um, towards using cannabis medicinally. Mm. Obviously, this bill is about recreational use um, and not medicinal use. However, people can then start to self-medicate, which is not always a good thing, um, but it does provide certain levels of pain relief for some people. Um, mm. In as far as evidence in regards to medicinal use um, a lot of a lot of evidence around this is quite anecdotal um, I couldn't find much very strong evidence that says that cannabis helps to heal any ailments uh, mm. it's typically used for anti-nausea or um, analgesic uh, uh, properties uh, my my understanding though if i may this bill yep. isn't necessarily about medicinal use because apparently that's already legal like this bill is purely about recreational use mm. yes yes it is um mm. so that's something that i guess is maybe less less relevant to the mm. to the issue um but more along the lines of when you're mentioning societal and cultural uh views mm. on this uh, it, it's interesting because it, it it was only within the last century, less mm. than uh, the last century, that cannabis has been legalized uh, well, throughout most of the, at least Western world. Mm. Um, and there are different theories around this uh, when you look up a whole lot of different things about um, about government control and uh, some conspiracy theories about uh, prison populations and kind of upping that to make money with the prison machine. Uh, and mm. in the States, that's a very uh, most uh, probably justified argument. Um, right, because that's the whole like Reagan war on drugs era. Like there's, yeah. Yeah, there's good evidence to support, you know, even if it's not necessarily the case, like, you know, it, it certainly seems pretty 
damning and pretty hard to falsify. Like there does seem to be correlation, doesn't there? Yeah, definitely. And in regards mm. to the whole reefer madness, um, mm. uh, press side of things, you know, if mm. you, if you smoke a marijuana, you'll beat up your parents kind of, um, you know, that, that, that whole thing, uh, yeah. it shows that there was clearly no little to no, uh, research, uh, done by these, um, by these people mm. trying to fearmonger and scaremonger. Mm. Um, and have you seen like, have you seen some of those public service announcements? They're wild. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're so entertaining. Quite, um, I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I will link the, the John Tron PSA around drugs in the description. Like, have you seen it? Yeah. Well worth it. Oh, I haven't seen that one. No. <laughs> well worth it. Sorry. Your train of thought. No, that's, that's good. Um, uh, I remember maybe, uh, I don't know how exactly related to it this is, but uh, my brain is making this connection. Uh, quite some time ago, our ex-Prime Minister, John Key, was asked about legalizing marijuana. I think it was John Key that was asked about this. He said, well, no, it shouldn't be legal because it's illegal now, isn't it? Um, and I just love that. Uh, I, love that uh line of thinking <laughs> it's uh it, it's just quite indicative of um a lot of uh attitudes towards things like uh mm. this becoming legalized mm. it's well there's no point because hey it's illegal so it must be bad for you mm. um, a whole lot of other things used to be illegal and a whole lot of, mm. lot of other things used to be legal mm. uh, yeah, it, it kind of it kind of makes me think of something that I'm sure will come up in the conversation we'll have around end of life. But um, Danielle Van Dalen, one of the um, people that I I saw, you know, came across in my uh, research around the topics, said how law changes culture. Like it's inevitable over time that actually that comes yeah. as a result. So this is kind of like a watershed moment, I think, in New Zealand history because for good or bad, like it, it yeah. will have unforeseen consequences, good or bad on culture. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like you're saying, hey, like there's an enculturated historical view that people often operate from that kind of determines how people respond to certain ideas, certain legislation, certain ways of thinking, eh? Um, mm. You know, a verse that uh, springs to mind often when I think about this conversation is, um, First Corinthians 6 talks about um, everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, uh, but I will not be mastered by anything. Like there's mm. this idea of, you know, the Christian ought, you know, Paul in writing to the Corinthian church is actually quoting Greek poets, Greek poetry when he writes that. So he's actually trying to make the statement that, um, you know, the Christian ought to use that place of discernment to actually say, what is good? What is truth? What is noble and praiseworthy? Um, kind of appealing to Philippians 4 verse, I think it's 6, which you know, makes that, that claim, you know, think on such things, anything that's noble, praiseworthy, true, right. Um, but especially that last point, sorry, you going to say? No, no, go on. I was just yeah. thinking a little, uh, little uh, Sunday school study. <laughs> Love it. Um, do it, just breaking the song. Um, <laughs> well, I think that point about master definitely relates to your point about sobriety, doesn't it? 
Mm. You know, like, um, we will not be mastered by anything. So like, which is also a Judeo-Christian value of actually, you know, we shall not make an idol of anything Mm. before God, you know, and I think that when we give over to addiction and kind of mastery, um, that that can be an inevitable result. But then again, recreational use isn't necessarily... I think we flirt with that idea of like, you know, we could become mastered by it, but it doesn't necessarily result in addiction. But yeah. Yeah. Like, do you, have you, were you able to find any statistics around kind of the, um, you know, here or otherwise, like actually around the, the uptake rate when they have legislated, they have allowed legalized cannabis in other countries and whether there was an increase in certain uh, addiction rates. Yeah, so I was able to find some things. Uh, it looked, it seemed that, say, for example, Colorado and the United States, when mm. they legalized it, they seemed to have a, a decrease in general usage, both oh. from the black market and the uh, general, and those buying it legally and mm. consuming it legally. Mm. However, further studies though those were very early studies and further studies started to show that that may not have been the case um any any statement on age with with such studies like what was the age range of users i i didn't uh pay much attention with the colorado one however Mm. i did see in uh with canadian studies Mm. uh people i think it was below uh, 24 15 to 24 which is the typical youth bracket especially in regards to uh cannabis studies uh it seems that there was a significant drop i think it was something like um and i'll correct this if i'm wrong 30 mm. percent mm. um amongst youth but in mm. terms of uh adulthood not much of a change mm. overall uh it's actually quite hard to find a lot of quite um objective studies around this because it's such a politically divisive topic and i've been finding numbers that show that it stagnates uh numbers that show that uh yeah stagnates after going up or down Mm. um numbers that say it goes up ones that say it goes down and uh Mm. that's one of the things uh even with peer peer reviewed um article and, and studies uh, it, it's quite a hard thing to find mm. genuine objectivity. Um, just as a side mm. note, I remember finding a um, a few years ago, uh, seeing a, a peer-reviewed uh, article that my wife showed to me mm. uh, that came out of uh, that came from a doctor in India, talking about the efficacy of, I believe it was leeches. Uh, and endorsing it mm-hmm. and this was peer reviewed mm-hmm. um, and, and bloodletting mm. so this is uh, this is something that we need to keep in mind when we see peer reviewed it doesn't mean this thing is gold standard <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> those peers may not be worth much at all uh, in terms of their uh, academic mm. prowess mm. Um, but in yeah overall uh, usage, it, it's actually hard to give a solid number. It mm. seems that it does decrease amongst youth. Mm. Um, and that's something that, as I mentioned earlier, our government is aiming to 
to bring through with this, uh, the age restriction being 20 um, mm. for uh, purchasing and using. Um, and on that note, I do find that a little bit arbitrary personally. Mm. Um, Why arbitrary? Well, I find a lot of, uh, a lot of age restrictions to be quite arbitrary anyway. Um, mm. But most, more specifically, one of the reasons it's given for the 20 as opposed to 18 is that uh, is typically because the frequent or semi-frequent use of um, cannabis in someone whose uh, frontal lobe has not fully formed or developed right. uh, can cause some developmental delays in that frontal lobe and in other areas mm. of life uh and and this go is back. And this is proven on like long-term cannabis use is that is that the yes. argument yes, huh. yes. Okay. And, um, one thing that's been found is that in previous years it used to say that the average male mm. uh doesn't develop his prefrontal lobe till about 25 yes yeah uh, the more modern consensus amongst uh, the psychiatric community is that it's now about 30. Oh, that doesn't place us well does it <laughs> yeah no, no obviously you and i are pretty pretty quick uh quick developers you know? yeah 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 <laughs> so i shouldn't be saying 420 blues it like right now like <laughs> <laughs> no uh at least not until we uh un un until you, you turn 30 and then you'll be safe just to be you know <laughs> Beyond beyond reasonable doubt, yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll fly in court. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would, that, that is the average, and I would say you and I are above average. <laughs> is is twenty like the age, uh, the golden standard in most countries? Uh, I actually I saw a mix uh, in different countries. I know mm. that in say one of the most. Uh, well-known uh western countries at least where cannabis is legal mm. the netherlands it's 18. Mm. um at a for a time it was that you also had to be a dutch citizen but they didn't really police that that much yeah i have heard that yeah yeah i mean i went to the netherlands um in october mm. of 2019 and i was in amsterdam mm. and it was it was everywhere and you knew that people weren't asking for your passport. Um, I, I could tell you just walk past the cafes and see people smoking inside them and mm. they dress like tourists. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm. Um, so like, I'd love to ask you some particulars around some of the bill that I've seen and I've heard. Um, like, so you mentioned, for example, the fact that, um, there'd be a daily prescription of how much people would use and people could get this from, say, uh, registered dealers. Um, can authorized I, can dispensaries. I, right, right, you're right, authorized dispensaries. So, I've, I mean, one thing I saw online was a graphic like that talked about which businesses are actually well-placed to actually monopolize on that. And surprisingly, it's like talking like McDonald's and Burger King are like, you know, some of the businesses best placed to actually start having authorized dispensaries um yeah. i don't know if that's a money thing like i don't know have you heard anything about that seen anything around that or yeah so um 
one of the the I, I didn't actually come across any numbers in regards to that, but mm-hmm. uh, one I guess my assumption would be because um, that reminds me of how a lot of when new fast food chains come into the country, they often mm-hmm. tend to test them in lower socioeconomic uh, neighborhoods because mm-hmm. lower socioeconomic people tend to be the prevalent uh, consumers of unhealthy uh, and, and fast foods. Mm. Uh, so that could be lined up because again mm. um, illicit drugs or psychoactive substances are found more in lower socioeconomic mm. neighborhoods uh, so that may be part of that reasoning seems kind of picky and exploitative but like i can see what you're saying and like yeah from but from a purely capitalistic perspective it's mm. um it, it, it's quite ingenious marketing lucrative yeah definitely um Uh, but i i think and then one could also argue maybe that's uh that's a good way to up the sales of burger king and maccas is uh get the munchies and uh buy some more food true i mean like on that though like i've heard that the that's quite restrictive on how they are supposed to dispense like they can't have signage like it's supposed to be kind of quite, you know, kind of like your tobacco, um, you know, advertising, right? There was that whole campaign about 10 years ago, which was like, you know, they can't show the actual images of the branding anymore. So it's quite sanitized and quite so like, it's not knowing that it's there unless you know it's there, I suppose. Like it's kind of word of mouth. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So there won't be online sales. Mm. Uh, be advertising mm. um there, there are several restrictions around that which i found quite interesting because uh one of the big arguments for um the legalization of cannabis uh is that alcohol uh in its days where it was even prohibited mm. uh, in places like the states in the prohibition days mm. uh tends to have and produce more harm than cannabis Mm. uh i've spoken to and heard from several police officers that Mm. often say i would much rather um deal with a person inebriated on cannabis than a person who has had too much alcohol Mm. and anyone who's been around someone who's been uh affected by either or both of those substances will know what uh what they mean because cannabis tends to be a lot more calming and soothing and it's the hey like the it, hippies kind of have that uh that stereotype for a reason mm. um and alcohol tends to make a lot more people quite aggressive mm. and, it's it's interesting you know that but sorry you go on sorry oh no sorry and and why i bring that up is mm. that it's um there's a whole lot of advertising allowed for alcohol. Mm. We have liquor stores all over the place that mm. advertise their own sales. Um, mm. We have supermarkets that sell it. Uh, we have all kinds of places. Um, some areas of New Zealand where it's slightly restricted, but still quite in your face um, as to how how prevalent alcohol is. Even alcohol uh, brands often sponsor sports teams mm. and that that's a big um that's definitely a, a big 
point of contention within the health promotion community at the very least. So is that, so your read on that then, if I, if I gather what you're saying is that perhaps the restrictions around advertising with cannabis is proposed, I should say, the proposed restrictions around advertising with cannabis is to avoid some of those problems that inevitably become problems like is, as is the case with alcohol. Is that your read on it? Um, not necessarily, but that is a good point. Um, mm. And that may be the thinking behind some mm. of those who have written the, uh, the proposed bill. Um, Do you have any read as to why else that is or? Not necessarily. I'm just more commenting on the, on the, I guess, uh, comparison between cannabis and alcohol law. Right. Um, and that, but we may also get to a point where alcohol uh, may not be allowed to do sponsorships, may not be allowed to be mm. advertised in such a way. And like I said, the health promotion community are constantly having discussions around this mm. about trying to lessen the amount that alcohol is allowed to be advertised and mm. in the public eye. Mm. And so like I've heard like with the, with the cannabis bill, like I used a resource online called um, take the drug test. So I took the drug mm -hmm. test and got it like it's, it's basically kind of a, you know, dealing with this <laughs> for what I wonder. No, <laughs> um, uh, like uh, I, <laughs> like I, so I took the drug test and basically it talked, um, it deals with like misinformation, but also addresses some of the common assumptions around the bill. Like one that I found was interesting, um, the daily dose that people can actually be entitled to is as much as 35, between 35 and 40 joints. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, like I'm not a cannabis smoker myself, never have been. Is that a bit excessive, like that any one person could be smoking between that many daily themselves? Yeah, so um, no, I, I did see that because... Mm. Uh, one thing that's often put forth by uh, this bill is um, you're able to buy up to 14 grams of dried cannabis daily. Mm. Um, and you're right. That is, as you say, what, 35 plus um, up to 42 joints, uh, mm. depending on how you roll it. Mm -hmm. um, and one argument that I have seen, uh, which isn't necessarily the best argument, but it's show me the person that can smoke up to 42 joints a day. Um, and I'm not proposing that argument. It's just that that's uh, something that I've seen. Uh, I believe it was even Andrew Little that uh, potentially said that. Um, it's between 35 and 40 joints that you could actually get from that daily allowed amount. People can actually have up to four houseplants where they're growing cannabis themselves to private use. That seems to me like a loophole that a black market dealer could exploit like that many, that amount. Like I get what Andrew Little's saying, but it's like, it's not account. It's not accounting for actually some well-meaning business person who can't be bothered with all the restrictions that are imposed on them yeah. and actually creating an authorized dispensary this seems like a really lucrative business opportunity that I can get on. I, I remember hearing some statistics around, um, I think it was Canada and how they legalized there and actually the black market consumption actually increased on the back, on the back of their legislation for that. Um, 
and the person who was presenting statistics was saying, well, you imagine being that scenario, it just means, it just makes good business sense to actually continue to be able to, you know, have greater supply and also meet demand at cheaper costs, you know, and cheaper pricing. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I would raise in answer to that is, is some studies have shown that in Canada that there was a 30% drop in uh, black market activity um, and revenue mm. uh, in regards to cannabis. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that that is quite an excessive amount. Um, mm. And that would be something that could be addressed uh, should the bill pass in five years time because uh, part of the bill requires that there is a five yearly um, examination and uh, really yeah um, so if it doesn't not necessarily pass. not necessarily taking it back to people to vote or to parliament but just to adjust anything that may be working or may not be oh I see something that I quite liked if it passes if it passes that's right, right I see yes. okay yeah um, and that is in the bill uh, itself mm. um, um, and in, in regards to the whole two to four plants, uh, conundrum, mm. um, it's it, that, that, that's also, it, it can be measured at times, but that is also quite a, um, quite a vague, uh, limitation. Mm. I remember in my days when I worked in, uh, worked as a probation officer. I was dealing with uh, an offender who was on a quite heavy uh, community-based sentence mm. um, for having grown marijuana in their own home. They weren't charged with intent to dealing because as far as the Crown could tell, um, it seemed that there was, uh, it seemed that there was no selling they had very limited finances, um, mm. especially in relation to how much uh, cannabis they had in their, growing in their house. It seemed they just shared it amongst friends and family. Right. Anyway, this, uh, this offender had grown 32 plants. Now, I remember reading the sentencing notes and this offender actually used this argument to me as well, um, not knowing that I had read these sentencing notes that uh, they contested the amount of plants uh, because some of them were just so small, but then some were huge. And I guess a plant is a plant. And that's how the law viewed it was they were prosecuting based off the amount of uh, plants that were being grown. Mm. Um, but again, that speaks to the, I guess, vagueness of this because mm. two plants, four plants, some can just be, about this big but some can be quite high if, if you look up images of uh cannabis plantations under the right uh right uh circumstances they can grow quite well and um new zealand has very fertile soil mm -hmm. and it's very good for growing cannabis mm. and just like this is just i have a couple of things i want to mention as well but i know this might be worth clarifying I'm thinking of our dear listeners. Um, some friends I've talked to have made this like uh, correlation between on the media, they're talking about, you know, politicians visiting hemp factories and like, it's kind of like 
is it trying to, I don't know, like in public opinion, like just kind of like, oh, it's okay, you know, like they're the same thing. Like, yeah. can can you speak to that? Like, uh, what is this kind of like uh, understanding, misunderstanding, similarities, differences between say a plant like hemp and a plant like cannabis? They're same genus, aren't they? But they are different plants. Yeah. Yeah. I can't speak to the direct biology of it, um, mm. but I do know that for a long time, hemp has been legal uh mm. in new zealand yes i'm not entirely sure on the laws around growing it mm. uh, i know it's quite restricted um but i have used hemp products for a long time mm. um i use i've for a long time used a hemp to base used a hemp base beard based beard oil mm. um and i know people who have used uh, even uh hemp um reusable nappies for their children yeah um and it, it it's a it, it it appears to be quite a i guess um what's the word flexible or uh multi-use plant uh that yeah, it's like nature's super plant a lot of advocates yeah definitely yeah um and so long as it doesn't have the thc mm. you can't get high from it, it it's kind of like I once heard someone, um, and I think it's even the, the even less so. It's mm. like trying to get off, get drunk off uh, chocolate liqueurs, you know, <laughs> um, or a bottle of bitters that you can buy from the supermarket. You know, yeah. you'll throw before you get drunk. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So there may be some um, there may be some validity to the claims that certain politicians do have an agenda behind that uh, in mm. terms especially leading up to up to this referendum mm. um i'm sure there are some agendas with some politicians trying to make it seem okay um because politicians as much as they try to uh represent the voters interest mm. they are people who have who have desires just like us and a lot of them may want to see it legalized mm. um well, because there's so, like a, there's a, a tax argument as well, isn't there? Like if it's regulated and it's taxed, it's actually those funds that are raised, those, that revenue that is raised by actually the, the legal selling of cannabis actually better serves the system rather than the current criminalization of it that actually just costs the system. Like, do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and that's a very... That, that's something that's been argued quite a lot in support of this bill. And it's something that I would get behind. Mm. However, something that I have seen um, is a lot of arguments that have been used in terms of how much it costs our system uh, in terms of the justice sector. Mm. Uh, they seem to be ignoring very recent, um, recent trends. Now, mm. a big thing uh, that I've, that I found was um, people often use numbers from 2007 to 2011. Um, how much money, and this is not even counting uh, how much money was spent on policing in regards to cannabis, mm. um, the court's time in regards to cannabis, or uh, probationary services in regards to cannabis this is just right. in regards to imprisonment so it doesn't even count that expenditure it's just 
imprisonment. Uh, it, it, from 2007 to 2011, the number, the amount, uh, the total cost was 12 million. Eight hundred sixty-two thousand and five hundred New Zealand dollars mm. in that period of time, uh, and that was almost twice as much as the amount for methamphetamine. Uh, methamphetamine being the runner-up to the amount of money spent on imprisoning, uh, imprisonment for drug-related charges. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So cannabis far leading that in regards to imprisonment numbers. However, in recent times, uh, over the last two years, uh, and I found this um, directly from justice.govt.nz, so from mm. the Justice Department, mm. um, the amount of uh, charges for uh, now, I couldn't find the exact money because that'll be disclosed at a later date. This is just within the last two years. Um, but the amount of charges we can find um, for drug-related offences entirely uh, has dropped from, in the beginning of 2019, from 21,931 down to 14,000. 961 hmm. has fallen by 32 percent since 2011. Hmm. But yeah, what has fallen Go on. is the amount of methamphetamine charges um, growing, yes, and right. it has dropped significantly. So it's grown by about uh, 64 percent by the looks of it. Wow, the amount of cannabis charges in the mm. last two years has decreased by 63%. Wow. So there's a whole lot less money being spent on this. Well, see, I wonder about that because it's like you wonder if on the back of public opinion, uh, people are thinking like now is the time to propose such a bill because it seems to be, I don't know, less, less police. I've heard it said anecdotally that in a lot of instances of people possessing cannabis and like a police officer pulls up, they won't actually penalize or be punitive or arrest someone for possession of cannabis. It's mostly just in the instances of someone dealing that they're more, that the police are more punitive, that they're more actually, okay, that's the instance where we're going to bring someone in, we're actually going to get them tried. But, you know, typical guy in the park, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, cop rolls up to him. He's like, has cannabis on his position. He would just take it off him and kind of send him on his way, wag his finger. <laughs> yeah. um, is, is, I mean, you've worked in the justice system. You're probably a bit more aware of what goes on than I am. That's just the yeah. anecdote I've heard. Yeah, no, no. And, and I think um, I, I can't offer anything more than anecdotal in that regard either. Mm. Mm. Uh, but I think that is, uh, from what I had come across uh, in my time in both probationary services and um, custodial services mm. for the Department of Corrections, mm. uh, there didn't seem to be a huge amount in terms of heavy sentencing no. in regards to cannabis offences. Right. That uh, offender I was speaking of previously did have a history mm. and they had only received a sentence of, it was less than two years, I believe, mm of intensive supervision 
division is the typically one of the higher of the rehabilitative sentences uh more, more extreme of the rehabilitative ones but it is a rehabilitative community-based sentence uh this person did not have community detention so they were not monitored um in regards to their whereabouts they didn't have any curfews mm. um they didn't have that all they had to do was report in to a probation office semi-regularly regularly at first and then and attend certain drug or alcohol courses um and yeah so it, i i would agree that it is uh, it does appear to be that the justice system has changed their thinking at the very least in regards to how we um how we treat cannabis related offenses what what do you make of the fact that cannabis is like in and of itself it's quite a cannabis refers to a lot of different plants doesn't it and i see it as problematic that actually you can grow certain strains that could you know well be classed as a you know a class c drug but then like strains that are so potent they could be as strong you know, with hallucinogenic properties to make them a class A drug. Like, I don't know, is this a, am I misinformed here? Or like that just seems problematic that you can have a drug that has such variety and such variation and that, you know, blanket approach, you know, cannabis can be grown in New Zealand. That seems troubling. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, one of the things I, I can't speak to different strains in terms of just the dry cannabis and its effect. Mm. What I do know is um, THC oil, mm. uh, which is a bit of a process. Um, that process is quite dangerous at times. It's extremely flammable. Mm. Uh, I've, working in corrections, I heard of so many stories of house fires started by people um, creating cannabis oil. <laughs> cannabis oil is typically used to uh, used in the the production of uh, consumables, brownies, lollies, etc. Um, and it's much stronger. It has a much stronger uh, potency than your typical uh, amount of dried cannabis leaves or buds. Mm. Um, and I think uh, I think you do have a good point there that it is quite strange that there is this uh, level of um, potency and it's just all legalized but then again if we legalized um, if we legalized growing in home people have access to the seeds they have access to the buds they'll be able to create this on their own uh, the cannabis um, cannabis bill does address uh, I can't remember exactly how, but I was reading through the bill and it does address um, further measures being taken to uh, combat how much uh, dispensaries or providers, uh, licensed providers can give away in terms of oil-based products or just cannabis oil itself. Does it police much in terms of, say, THC or DMT, like, you know, levels and in, say individual products. Cause like, I mean, I've heard pretty excessive percentages, like, you know, your typical strain is like, you know, maybe 10 to 14%, but then 
this legislation, I may be wrong, maybe my sources are wrong. I've heard in excess of 30% or higher can be allowed in some of these products. So I'm not, that seems again worrying to me. Like if DMT is like a hallucinogenic uh, substance and you know, THC is the, you know, the serotonin related kind of, uh, give me, like I'm not a biochemist, but you know, like, uh, I probably should have taken a crash course. And in- <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, like it, it seems worrying that it seems on a lot of counts, the bill seems quite, the restrictions are quite wide, quite sparse, like to allow for something that actually has such a potency in like a chemical form um, compared to what is currently allowed um, in other countries, like comparatively. It's, I don't know if they're just trying to like, you know, make it as wide as possible to make it as like, you know, Andrew Little's kind of like, I guess, cavalier, um, you know, statement. It's like, show me the person who can smoke 42 blunts. It's like, show me the person that can regularly, you know, uh, smoke 40%, you know, THC quantity uh, strains of marijuana. Like, and like, you know, what's that? Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah, well, exactly, right? Like, it's, it's someone who's a regular user. So, like, who are they legislating for in a bill like that? It seems yeah. very, it seems very excessive. Like, you know, why not be more restrictive and actually say, no, up to this amount is fine. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so to that first bit, I do believe um, there is some level of uh, policing in terms of the levels of THC within those uh, oils and other mm things i can't i can't remember the numbers off the top of my head or Mm. if that's even a even if it is a significant amount um if one wanted to look into that they'd have to look into the bill which we will link in the description Mm. however in regards to your uh second point of um who are they policing this for and should we have this amount i guess uh a devil's advocate argument that I could make in response to that. Um, but I, I don't know if I'd call it devil's advocate because I, I kind of agree with this argument myself. Mm. Is, um, and this is a wider topic than just cannabis. This is actually in relation to all psychoactive substances mm. and uh, illicit drugs. Um, I would point to um, the Portugal, the Portugal method. Um, are you familiar with what happened there? It does ring a bell, but like, uh, educate me and our dear listeners. Yep. I would love to know. <laughs> so, so what happened, um, for those who are unaware, hmm. uh, Portugal was, uh, up until I think about the seventies, um, part of a quite, uh, severe right wing authoritarian, uh, a lot say dictatorial uh government Mm -hmm. there was a liberation from this in the 70s and uh they became a democratic nation uh one thing that they found was there were a lot of people flooding and flooding drugs into the country Mm. before you knew it there was a huge huge massive drug problem Mm. by 2001 uh they and yes, I, I think it was about one percent of the population, which was about a hundred thousand people, 
uh, were addicted to wow. heroin. Wow. And that's just heroin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So 100,000 people addicted to heroin. Mm. Uh, they had other drug problems, but heroin was the primary concern. Mm. Uh, then what started to happen was um, Portugal, the Portuguese government decided to uh, sit down with a lot of uh, drug counsellors, doctors, professionals in the, in the industry. Mm. And they took their advice, which was decriminalization of any and all drugs. Now, that didn't mean that dealers were to walk free. They still had quite a, um, quite a hefty, um, hefty sentencing should they be uh, charged and convicted. Mm. Um, leading up to this, I should add, um, when they started having problems at first, they took a blanket approach to charge all drug users, be they just a user or a dealer, as a dealer. Um, oh, okay. They found that wasn't working because surprise, surprise, whenever we up the punishment, it doesn't down the, um, doesn't down the offending rate. Mm. Um, Is that quite well known in the justice system as well? Yes, uh, one can look to America for that mm. as a huge uh, example. Um, Norway was a country that turned that around entirely. Um, but they got quite lucky because they have oil money. So, mm -hmm. um, But yeah, so what happened was they decided to uh, begin the process of decriminalization of all drugs. And instead of spending excessive amounts of money on, uh, on prosecution of offenders, they started spending money on drug and alcohol addiction services, needle exchange programs, counseling right. services. Right. They, they currently have, uh, uh, they currently have drug counselors who walk the streets and go into drug hotspot areas on the streets and, and give them new needles or pipes, you know, should they need it and talk so that they can mitigate any, uh, HIV or hepatitis spread, mm. that kind of thing. So less of a crime problem, but more of a health problem, like public health problem. Definitely. Mm. And uh, going back to mentioning the health promotion community earlier, a lot of mm. uh, promoters will definitely say that uh, drug use is not a crime problem so much as it is a health problem. Mm. Um, and what ended up happening was mm. within, I think it was just a little over 10 years, the drug problem, especially with heroin, halved. Mm. So it went down to 50,000 people on heroin um, mm. within 10 years, uh, mm. thereabouts. Uh, and I believe that's a similar uh, kind of kind of issue, was, is, is if there's less, uh, less taboo, around it i do believe that there will be that you will see less people offending in this regard and uh this goes on another uh this i guess relates to another issue that a lot of people think that um cannabis is a gateway drug mm. uh, there's no studies to show that it actually is mm. what tends to happen is uh 
people who tend to smoke cannabis in countries or states where it is illegal mm. tend to be surrounding themselves with criminal people mm. uh, and then they're going more and more into the rebel side of things and uh, not only that but then if they find themselves caught up in the justice system they find themselves in prison which if you want to survive in prison one of the best ways is to join a gang mm. and it it makes it pretty hard going if you don't uh, buddy up with uh, the more criminal side of things in prison mm. yeah I, I know it's something of like a personal one for me which may be factors in why I think I'm still planning to vote the particular way I'm planning to vote um, um I think this matter, I see it like uh, I'm voting in a particular way that I'm thinking of voting. It's personal for me because I have a family member who started on, you know, something as uh, comparatively tame as, say, cannabis. At least that's what this legislation is proposing, right? Um, but, you know, towards the end of their addiction, this family member was, you know, dealing with stuff like uh, meth and uh, morphine quite regularly to the point where they tried to take their life on a couple of occasions. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't until like, you know, the gospel came into their life in a really radical way that they were actually did a total trajectory, very road to Damascus style kind of conversion that that actually um, turned around for them. But I know in their case, it was uh, a matter of, um, you know, cannabis being that starting point. And I think what you're saying about actually, cannabis use currently is associated with a lot of other uh, contextual cultural behaviors and cultural uh, connotations, which perhaps puts you in excess or in proximity to other harder drugs. So I guess that kind of leads on for me to that kind of question of does the, the delegitimization of what say, criminals are doing around drug use and exploitation of drug addiction to their purposes does what this bill is planning to do in delegitimization of their services and their business and their ventures does it serve to to do what it's actually setting out to do in that way like i i think like it's not even in our recent history that we had the whole you know synthetic drug debacle that happened yeah. um, and we had 50 deaths because basically when the government legalized it notice it's not really talked about it in the media as well and it wasn't at the time either mm. but when that legalization happened it's like oh we'll allow that um, and it wasn't regulated well and the gangs were placed to actually mass produce and they produced things that were highly potent and very dangerous and very quickly could have been classed as the same potency as any class A drug, this synthetic cannabis. And as a result, people died because they overdosed on this kind of stuff. And it makes you think like, yeah, like, well, I mean, I heard as many as 50 deaths at one point was a statistic that was given. Um, but then again, that's hard to verify because the media wasn't actually picking up on it. They weren't talking about it. And you wonder if it was like a gag on the press, if I'm going to be <laughs> really conspirational for a bit, but it does make me wonder, I have some skepticism while I do see restrictions being proposed in such a bill, 
I'm not sure it's restrictive enough given some of the concerns that I've raised. And I wonder, are we just going to have a repeat of that kind of scenario again? Um, what would you, what would you answer to that? What would you say to that? Cause I, I agree with the Portugal example, yeah. but I do wonder if our context is different, I suppose. That that's a very good point. I don't think we have quite uh, the same drug problem that Portugal do have. Didn't mm. Mm. Uh, I can't speak to their levels of marijuana use, mm. uh, but what I can say is uh, synthetic cannabis, that, that, that is a, a good point. However, synthetic cannabis is uh, much more potent, much more psychoactive um, and dangerous uh, than cannabis itself. Um, you just with the amount of people that started ODing quite quickly, uh, far, far surpasses the amount of just cannabis related deaths that we mm. have in New Zealand. Mm. Um, and I think uh, to that also, um, synthetic cannabis is, is a whole nother monster uh, that shouldn't even necessarily have the word cannabis in it, in my mm. opinion. I, I can see why I've heard about the uh, scientific similarities or them trying to replicate um, mm. the THC cell mm. or structure. Mm. Um, but when I've spoken to users of multiple drugs uh, in prison, out of prison, not even working in corrections, they mm. have told me that it is a whole nother ball game mm. uh, and a completely different drug altogether. Mm. Um, but you do have a good point in terms of the gangs being ready to pick this up. Mm. Um, but I would argue also that the gangs already have it. Um, they are, however, moving more towards methamphetamine. Uh, as those numbers I brought up earlier show, and it's been increasing exponentially. Um, because one thing about meth in New Zealand is we're really good at making it. Mm. Um, I have heard that. Yeah. That's why they call it P for pure, because uh, the standard and the, the, the quality of meth is actually quite, uh, quite high compared to a lot of other nations. Mm. Heisenberg would be proud. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> without going into too much detail, we, mm. uh, as New Zealanders, have even used our Kiwi ingenuity uh, to come up with um, par bombs, uh, P-A-R-R bombs, mm. if, if anyone's interested in looking that up. Mm. Um, do it incognito, though, you know, so... <laughs> Um, you're on the GCSP watching, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they can't see you as soon as you click incognito mode. Yeah, or just um, move your camera across. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that's basically a portable meth lab. Wow. Uh, that can be a little bit bigger than my head uh, at times. Um, and that's just really number eight wire Kiwi ingenuity kind of... <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, meth is definitely something that's overtaking that. Mm. Uh, but one thing I would also say is uh, 
a lot of, like I said, a lot of the gangs do already have this. Um, I have one friend uh, who will remain unnamed who is a dealer um, and said that they're not going to vote. Uh, vote yes. They're, they're, they're voting no. Oh, wow. <laughs> because they want to keep making money dealing and it'll make it harder for them. Um, and obviously anecdotal and that that's just one person, but yeah. uh, that kind of goes to show that um, those who are criminally uh, profiting from this may possibly not want this uh, to go through. What do you, I mean, what do you make of those who actually, again, are well-placed for a bill like this to go past? Like, you know, oh, we're already dealing, we keep dealing in the black market and that method, or like uh, without regulation, we do it at a cheaper price. That actually increases their, their profit margin, so therefore incentivizes them to keep selling. Like, I, I mean, I've heard that in some cases overseas, like... Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess that 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 for sure would happen. There will always be people that will abuse a certain system. Mm. Um, the question that I guess one would have to ask themselves is, when they look at all of the all of the facts, do the benefits outweigh that and any other negatives? Right. Um, uh, for for me, for example, it, it, it outweighs it, one thing that it does outweigh that is the the idea that there will be a lot more employment uh, especially in sectors in northland um, mm. because they know how to grow it up there mm. um, but they need employment up there as well and this uh, but one thing that it, that is uh put forward in the bill is people who are licensed distributors and growers uh on mass are not allowed to have um, serious criminal records or hmm. uh, certain um, certain cannabis-related offences. I see a loophole around that, I guess, if you were that person. If you have family members that have three or four house plants at their own property, you could easily dot around and actually, you know, someone could sell in your name while you're actually the you're the profiteer, you're the, the mogul who's actually organizing that, I suppose, but. Definitely. And, mm. and, and I think there will often be things like that. Um, mm. Like I say, there will always be people that abuse the system. Mm. I'm not saying that that's uh, that's just a whatever ignore it argument. That's definitely something that one should consider when looking into uh, how they vote in regards to this. Mm. Um, I mean, there are a couple more, points I want to do before I kind of ask, you know, what would be your wrap up, man? Um, like for one thing, like the political angle is interesting in that, you know, we have this, this referendum coming up and the referendum in the part of the cannabis bill is, is not a binding referendum. So the government are not bound to whatever the result of that referendum is. But I, it, I, I, I'm of the mind that you will probably see an instance where if there is a majority that vote in favour, you could probably see the government actually passing that legislation. Um, 
well, whether whether one is for or against the mm. bill being passed, uh, I would hope that they would hope that um, mm. that should there be a, a especially significant majority vote for yes, that the government would do their job and and hold to the interests of the mm. of the people. Mm. Yeah. Did you did you happen to see the um the conversation with? Chloe Swabrink and she uh, had Helen Clark as a the honourable Helen Clark on as a, as a guest, and they were talking about this particular piece of legislation. No, I actually never got around to watching that one. Hmm. I no, no, don't apologise. I thought it was interesting. Like um, I watched majority of it, not all of it, but um, I found it interesting how at one point Auntie Helen was talking about how in her term in government, she actually, they proposed the civil union bill as a government and to put that into, into legislation and that got passed because, you know, she was pretty, you know, upfront about it in this interview, she was saying, because it shifted public opinion enough for actually people to be of the mind to say, oh, well, let's vote for homosexual marriage, you know, mm-hmm. on the back of that, actually, the civil union bill has actually been allowed for. Um, and like you wonder, I guess, in a similar way, like uh, war changes culture, you know, uh, we do see these kind of things. Um, you know, people talk about slippery slope or a foot in the door, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, if there will be that kind of that same legislative um, expansion on the back of a bill like this. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the fact about uh, the five year um, open to amendment, right? The actual reviewing of what's actually been proposed so far. Um, I wonder if, like, the government actually, and seemingly a lot of the the parties actually saying, yeah, now we'll probably vote yes for this, um, given that it does seem to be more of a party vote than a conscience vote. Um, if this is the government's kind of concession, we realise that you know, drug drug use and abuse is a problem in New Zealand maybe if this is the drug that we choose to allow for it it causes less problems you know it actually you know those people who would otherwise be inclined to drug use here here's a concession use this as opposed to these other drugs um do you have any thoughts on that and any thoughts on like the political angle yeah um not so much i mean i i guess that would all be up to speculation most likely Mm -hmm. Um, it's obviously hard to tell what is going on um, sometimes behind closed doors. If there are things going on behind closed doors, I'm sure there are. Mm. Uh, some who are less conspiracy theory-minded than myself would uh, not agree. Mm. Um, but I'm going to uh, put myself on an intellectually superior pedestal and say <laughs> that I'm a realist. <laughs> um, no. Um, do it, man. Honestly, do it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I can't speak much to that in regards to, um, it possibly getting further, going further. Uh, I guess going back to my argument for the Portugal method, maybe that would be a good thing, uh, in regards to drugs. Uh, maybe we could, uh, stop, offend, uh, stop, um, charging and prosecuting people for, uh, small, you know, possessing small amounts of methamphetamine. So, mm. in that way, those who are addicted are 
much more likely and uh, to go and seek help and, and they have a lot less fear because I mean, meth is already uh, a heavy, heavy anxiety inducing drug. Mm. So there's already a lot of fear. Mm. Uh, so with the added criminal aspect to that, um, one could argue that maybe that foot in the door or that slippery slope could potentially be a big, a good thing. Mm. And again, I would leave that up to the, uh, to the audience to mm. decide for themselves. Is that something that you, if, if that is something that you believe it may be the case, if it may be a slippery slope, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Mm. Um, you know, Auntie Cinder said recently, like, um, oh, it was a party vote to vote for the end of life bill. So I can tell you that I'll be voting yes for that. But the cannabis bill was not a party vote, so I'm treating that as conscience vote. So I won't be disclaiming about how I'll vote on that. Like, what what was your take on that? Did you read up on that? No, not too much. But hearing that now, um, that that that's an interesting position to take, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it it seems that um, more lives are at. Uh, I guess at stake with the with the former bill um, and with the cannabis bill less so. Mm. Uh, so I guess that could be the reasoning behind that. Mm. Um, but no, no, I, ca I can't speak too much to that. Mm. Um, I saw like a <laughs> comment online that said something like a peak Jacinda is. Um, saying publicly she'll vote for the end of life, which will most likely pass based on polls, but not revealing her opinion on the cannabis bill where the public is much more divided, which I thought that's pretty scathing. Um, you know, we well, it. She's a nice person. She would never play the political game. Yeah, no, never. We at two or three gathered do not, you know, feel comfortable divulging our own personal <laughs> political opinion. Um, anything, anything said by the uh, by the host does not reflect the uh, yeah. two or three gathered as an organization. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just sound clip that end of every one of our podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, like um, it does make me think of another point. A little while back, well, you know, we were joking before we came on, started recording about. Um, Elon Musk and you know making sure not to <laughs> uh, burn our chances in, in a podcast you know burn out yeah. you know uh, burn our shot as it were Alexander Hamilton fans out there not going to throw away my shot um, yeah. <laughs> but like I, I found it interesting Elon Musk tweeted a little while ago and like he said like it's probably controversial but I'm going to say it he said it's not right that people who have been uh, put in prison uh, treated foully by the justice system um, still are in prison on the back of a bill legalizing the use of cannabis or other such drugs that are legalized. Like if we were to be retroactive, we should actually, those people who have been imprisoned, they ought to be released on the back of such a bill being passed. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I have heard that argument. I found that to be a bit of a weaker argument in some, on some levels. Um, 
because at the time of offending, those people were uh, did tend to be offending, uh, mm. breaking laws that were in existence at the time. Yeah. Um, May I ask a question now? Yeah, yeah. In the purely hypothetical perfect case where someone was just a dealer of cannabis and no other associated crime or behaviours, you know, would you say retroactively that's fair, like let's get them out because they should not have been put in that situation if we were to enforce such a bill? Mm. Or you'd still say still no? Potentially, yeah, that, that's a really hard one for me. I don't know if I would have an answer for somebody who may have been forced into a certain situation, but hmm. um, we didn't see many, uh, many uh, records being wiped clean for prostitution-related off related offences when hmm. prostitution was uh, hmm. legalised in New Zealand. Um, we did, however, see uh, some people's uh, records being wiped clean for uh, older uh, criminal charges, such as sodomy. Mm. Uh, so people who had been uh, criminally uh, prosecuted for living a homosexual lifestyle, uh, we have wiped that. So we have precedent on, we have precedent both ways. Um, that's interesting. So, yeah, mm. so I think that's a, a really difficult thing to do and that would maybe be something that the courts could explore. Well, I, I imagine that have to on the back of actually such a law being passed, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think some people would definitely, uh, I know of uh, a lot of uh, prisoners and ex-prisoners that would definitely be keen to have that, uh, keen to have that done. Mm -hmm. However, when you quote Elon Musk, he is typically referring to the American justice system. And that's fair. It, it, it is a very different world in the states when you come out of prison than it is in new zealand and mm. it's definitely not easy that's for sure i'm not mm. uh minimizing it uh the the, the difficulties that an ex-prisoner faces in new zealand um but we we but, have a better track record with rehabilitative um justice yeah. would you say and, yeah and we have a lot yeah and we have a lot less uh workplaces doing background checks than in the states a lot of even just places uh just some small fast food joints or as small retailers will be doing criminal background checks in the States. Mm. Some still do that in New Zealand, but a whole lot less. Mm. Um, and it also, there are, I believe, laws around those checks in New Zealand uh, governing that it has to be something in relation to uh, that workplace and the type of work that you would be doing. Mm. Well, that's a good point. Um, hey, man, like, what would you say, I guess, to wrap up on this particular part of the podcast? Like, um, what would be your things that you would want people to take away having heard this um, about this particular piece of legislation and thinking about how they would vote um, coming up in this, in this month of October? Yeah, um, so I guess something that, some things that I would... Uh, bring up is um, this bill it, it's it's something that could be quite interesting in terms of things that it could lead to as we were talking about mm. in regards to a foot in the door 
um, this could lead to more drug uh, drug problems in our nation, but it could also lead to um, more treatment for those who have drug problems. Um, it could lead towards uh, a whole lot less uh, spending uh, in our corrections system and in our policing and justice uh, sector. Um, but some also say that it may not based on recent trends. Um, and I, I think one thing that a lot of people need to be uh, need to be wary of is are they okay with the amount that this uh, bill bill proposes in regards to the the amount that one is able to buy on the daily mm -hmm. uh, the amount of plants that one's allowed to to grow uh, on their own private in their own private home mm -hmm. uh, are we satisfied with arguments that uh, state that cannabis does or does not lead towards the use of heavier drugs um, the legalization of cannabis lead to more heavy use and more importantly, will that lead to heavy use amongst youth? Uh, and what kind of damage could that potentially have to the development of our youth in our nation? And for those out there who are of the Christian faith, how does this tie in to us being stewards uh, of this earth? I, I found it hard to answer that question maybe you'll be able to find find an answer for that yourself uh, but ultimately i think if you do the research yourself uh, and if you have an open mind then you'll be able to find something that you'll be able to stake your claim in and say this is what i feel mm -hmm. uh, and it's important that we express to our government this is what we feel mm -hmm. uh, because that's how a democracy works. And uh, whether you like that or not, if you want to make change, that's how we do it in the system. Mm. Yeah, great thoughts, man. And like, uh, thank you for, you know, your research and your expertise on the area, on the subject. I would also say like, if anyone wants to keep the conversation going, please check out the links that we've actually put in the description. Like we want this to be something of a starting point. But also, you know, like we've said in other videos, um, please engage with us in the comments. You know, we, we would love to actually keep the conversation going there and to have people not just discussing with us, but with each other. Um, if this can be something as a springboard for other conversation and, you know, better critique that people can come away informed about knowing how they'll vote. Um, that's awesome. And particularly for our fellow uh, Christians, brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, we, we hope that you feel you come away feeling informed about as a Christian, um, what might be your approach to the situation. Um, speaking honestly for myself, like I think uh, I'm not against every instance of uh, the use of drugs in different aspects in different countries. Like the, the example of Portugal is quite a compelling one for me that I have heard anecdotally before. Um, I would probably at this point, it's for me, it's about the particular ways that's legislated for. And I would say on the back of this bill, it just doesn't seem compelling enough for me to actually comfortably say, 
I can put a yes to that. Like I would think, think I'd need to see more restrictions in place, which is why I think I myself will be voting no um, on this particular piece of legislation. It's not to say if it was reformed or reviewed uh, in another form in the future that I wouldn't say yes, but I think at this point in time, that's where I sit on it. Um, yeah. Cool, so thank you all for listening. Um, stay tuned. Part two will be, uh, be coming soon. We'll be talking about the End of Life uh, Choice Act uh, with Jared as our, um, as our keynote speaker. Uh, so thank you. God bless. And uh, thanks for making it this far through. Um, give us a like, uh, subscribe, uh, comment anything that you may be interested in saying or asking for uh, any, any further information on the things we have discussed. Uh, feel free to send us a message, a comment, or check the description. Uh, we're linking a lot of our sources in there, uh, if not all of them. Cool. Love you guys. To two or three gathered. Bye, guys. Sorry, Caleb. Hehehehe. <laughs>